Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Jock Mailbag episode seven. We are seven episodes in, and joining me is Clarky. How are you doing? Yeah, Damo, I'm doing good. There seems to be a running theme with this week's questions. I say that every single week because I feel like the questions all relate to one major issue that we all have to deal with, and that's fine. Well, if there was less than one major issue per week, as is mandated by Supercoach Gods, um, that would be, you know, okay. And all the questions, well, most of the questions we've got this week revolve around one Josh Dunkley. Oh, yeah, that's uh, a huge blow to all super coaches um, and myself. Dunks, speedy recovery, my dude. You guys are going to play finals and you need to be there. Yeah, shoulder reconstruction after it popped out twice against the Giants. Out for 12 to 16 weeks, uh, traditional reconstruction there. So hopefully he can get back for the Dogs finals run because they're in ripping form and I would hate for him to miss out on whatever achievements that they do over the season achievements that they do. I don't know if that's English. Yeah, oh, well. Lots, lots of things do things. Anyway, first question comes from Corey. Thank you, Corey, for the question. What are our thoughts on Mitch Duncan as a Dunkley or Neil replacement? We'll t- touch on lucky Neil in a second. Mitch Duncan has started the season with a 117, a 92, a 133 and a 149. He missed the first couple of weeks um, recovering from an injury that he sustained in the preseason, but he's really hit the ground running. And I personally have brought him in, um, not as a direct replacement for Dunkley, but as one of the replacements that I looked at. And he's in my team currently. He's done a couple of things this week to try and improve my side. Anyway, he's currently averaging 122.8 and he's got a break even of 61. What are your thoughts on him? I have some concerns. Um, I think he is definitely, he's a very good footballer. He can definitely go on really good patches of runs. Um, but I also think he cannot do that because I had him last year and I picked him up and he started and he had a really good run of maybe three or four games. And then basically by the equivalent standard fell off a cliff. Um, basically you were burned. Yeah, I was burned a little bit, but it's not because he was doing bad. He wasn't doing anything worse, really, than, like, you know, as far as football standards go. But as far as super coach scoring kind of wasn't there. I mean, I'm, I think as well, there are some, like, he does get some niggles. Um, he is known to have some injury niggles, which is a little bit concerning. But I mean, who doesn't? Um, it's hard to disagree with that run, though, because it's not out of his stratosphere. He's never done it before and he'll never do it again. Kind of scoring. It's down to earth. It's like, those are achievable. The 133, 149 were against lesser opponents and Geelong won by a thousand points on the weekend. So 149 reflects that. Yeah. I'm not bringing him in expecting him to hold 122 average across the whole season. I'm bringing him in because he's a consistent scorer. Um, he, He might not, pump out 120s, 130s, 140s every single week. But I think it was last season or even the season before, we got to about round 14 and we realized that this bloke had just sort of gone under the radar, pumping out pretty much 110 every single week. And I'm happy with that. That is something that I'm going to be very happy with if he does this season, especially under the circumstances. 
We'll move on to the next question, but before we do that, we'll touch on Lockie Neal. Out for six to eight weeks uh, with angle syndesmosis injury, the injury of the year, the flavor of the month. Everyone's yeah. got it. Now Now the Brownlow Millers has to have it. Anyway, out for six to eight weeks. People are also looking at ways to replace him. There is a case for holding him, but I think the plan is, yeah, trade him. If you're really strapped for trades, I can see why. Hold him, see what the recovery looks like, and see if you can make it through that. But I think ultimately the general consensus would be move him on and bring in someone who's probably got a little bit more pointage on them because there are a few guys, I think, around his price and a little bit a little bit up if you have cash um, that you could pick up who are going to be more consistent. Yeah, I think if, if it was me, I don't have Neil. I traded him out when he was shit in the bed early, earlier in the year. Um, if, it, if it was me, I'd be trading him. He's started the year horribly and now he's injured. So I would personally flick him and say, sayonara, I'll try and peel, peel you out of the sun later. Anyway, moving on, Corey's asked a second question think, to do um, with a Dunkley replacement. I'm sorry. He doesn't have Jarman Impey. So he's wondering, should he bring in Jarman Impey and bank the remaining cash, which is roughly around 200K, for future upgrades? So uh, this is actually uh, going to tie into the point that I kind of have about Neil as well. Um, Dunkley and Neil, uh, the chance now to, you kind of need to go for, you're not going to get someone who's scoring as well as Josh Dunkley. Um, or who has the previous history of Lockie Neal. However, if you miss any of those core guys, and I feel like everybody said it, if you miss some of those core guys, Jack McRae, Clayton Oliver, Zach Merritt, um, Jarman Impey falls into that category, I think, as well. Um, or even one of the key defenders who like use, use this as a chance to shore up yourself in whatever position you feel is lacking. Um, because it's, it's really tough to tell for forward line if you Impy and Zebel are probably the clear one and two that you need to have, apart from obviously Josh Dunkley, but he's off the table now. So I think bringing in Impy, banking the cash, and using it elsewhere is totally viable. Hundred average as a forward is beyond what you would really set as the minimum. Like I said, lots of questions about Josh Dunkley. We've got another question from Gorov asking. Should he trade Dunkley and Campbell or Goulden or Dunkley and a rookie to Sidebottom and Brayshaw or Dunkley to Grundy via a dual position player? Now, I've tried to make sense of this to see if there's any points deficit or points gain from doing one or the other. And the results are inconclusive because, honestly, who knows what Errol Goulden's true sort of scoring potential is because he's been up and down and who knows Grundy has hit a groove it's either 130 or nothing side bottom he's he's warming into the Collingwood system for the year he's had some good weeks over the last two weeks Um, he's a viable option by himself Andy Brayshaw averaging 100 points he's had couple he's had four good weeks two bad weeks 
and if you look at the points together, Sidebottom and Brayshaw and Grundy and Goulden, the differences, honestly, inconclusive. I mean, the you can look at the you can look at the chain the the changes in scoring and the differences in the scores and go, oh, they scored more and then they scored more. But to be honest, if you don't have Grundy, I think that the whatever else you're weighing up doing takes a back seat because it's quite clear that the rookie ruck hasn't worked. Flynn's getting dropped left, right and center because Mumford is more, I don't know, imposing. Um, Grundy won't get dropped. I think, I think you got to go for Grundy. Got to keep Goulden because Goulden isn't at the end of the world yet. His break even is a little bit higher, but he could still beat it. Could still make a bit of cash. If you hold him for one week so you can bring Grundy in this week, it's not going to hurt you. Yes. Bring in Grundy. Um, out of the, out of those two trades, so the similar to like what you said is 100% correct. Um, I don't agree about the rookie R2 thing working. I think it's worked out perfectly fine as a rookie R2 star. <laughs> it did not work out fine. Uh, but this is, as I said, this is your chance to correct, like bring in the big gun that you missed. Um, as I said, that conversation revolves around, it's like the same five players. If you didn't have Grundy and you've got Max Gorn, why not bring in Grundy? Because that's your, that's your ruck set. You are done. You've upgraded your ruck. You're there now. And you can see who comes out on top. The forward line is the most volatile son of a gun that has ever been a thing. I don't know how to make heads or tails of who's going to be in the top. Tex Walker is in, like, Tom McDonald is eighth. Like, holy cow. Like, I don't know what to make of, like, who's going to still be there in 10 rounds time? I couldn't tell you. And that's why you should bring in, using that on another line, I don't like side bottom. I think he's a bit of a role player, and I think he has so much chance to be up and down swings and roundabouts. So I think bringing in Grundy is a much safer long-term option for consistent scoring to replace Dunkley because then you're going to have somebody who is going to ton up more often than they're not. And when he tons up, it's going to be big. It's not just 101. It's not like 105. It's 130. It's 160. It's 1,000 points. Um, that's that's good. And a VC option as well. Like there's there's way more to it than just like I, I appreciate Damo did a lot of a lot of good work on the numbers and he's right and it's inconclusive. So look at what your team structure looks like then, which is individual to the person. Um Brayshaw, once again, he's another one who two two bad games, four good games. Don't know what to make of it yet. It's still early, it's still round six. Um I think you could probably hold off on him and just Use the just do the one trade and then see where you're sitting as you come closer to the buys. I think we answered that one. I I rambled a bit and probably didn't make much sense at all, but you sort of brought it all together. No, you so did. I, so I, I I I love that from you. Um, no, I, I know I know what you're saying, and you said it well. Sean is trading Dunkley to McRae. Love the trade. Good trade. But he's who should he turn Golden into with roughly 350k in the bank? Sam Anyone Walsh, you like. Jack, <laughs> Sam go, Walsh, Jack McRae, Clayton Oliver, Mitch Duncan. We've covered him. It's the same like five players that you, if you didn't have them, you'd have, you've already got McRae now. 
Do you have Oliver? If not, bring in Oliver. Do you have Zach Merritt? If not, bring in Zach Merritt. Do you have Sam Walsh? If not, bring in Sam Walsh. Like those guys, like those guys, I think Oliver, Walsh, Merritt. Then outside of that, if you've got all those guys outside of that is when you can start being a little bit tricky and you're going to, you're trying to pick the one that's going to set you apart. Jared Lyons is a great, great option. I think he's got a pretty high break even, but you're picking him to be a keeper. So if you can afford it, he's going to, you know, no scores below a hundred this year. Uh, Adam Trelaw, he's got to fill in a role somewhere and he's still playing really well at the dogs, even with a different role. Travis Boak, the pot of the year uh, from, from Leck. Uh, Christian Petrarca, he's having, he's on a run of form. David Mundy, uh, I also like David Mundy. Uh, just on the down low, he's got a back-to-back 145s, baby. He's turning back time. I'm not picking him because I don't want to break him, but I do advocate his selection for anyone else. Done. Locked. Um, suitcase as well. Uh, McLuggage at the Lions. Like, Bontempelli. Bontempelli, like we've we've got a big list here, and there's a lot of really good guys. Any one of those tier one, tier one top tier guys, bring him in. Bring I guess the one bottom line, b- with. bottom line is what we're saying: go shopping. Yeah, that's it. You're you're a kid in a candy store with a checkbook. Is Peter Wright an actual option in the forward line? That comes from Andrew. Uh, Thanks, Andrew. My answer is no. Uh, 62, 71, 69, 51, 97, 147. No. He, nah, I, I understand why he could be considered a selection. He does have a negative break even. So I don't know, maybe you want to use that to build his price up, but then you're using two trades and you're not only going to bring in one keeper by the end of it. Don't think it works as well, especially with the way the rookies are going this year. There are going to be other options. Isaac Heaney is going to come down below 400k after this week, you'd assume. He's probably a better option than Peter Wright. Yeah, we love to meet Pete, but it's it's a purple patch. Even then, I wouldn't even call it a patch. It's a splotch. It's a puddle. All right, I think I think we covered that. We'll move on fairly quickly from that one. Is Dyson Heppel at 389k someone we need to seriously consider as a cheap option? That comes from Ben. So Dyson Heppel is 389, 700. His break even of 31. 89 in round one. Missed rounds two and three. 91, 86, and then 112. Um, Probably elevated by the absence of Jordan Ridley, that last score. So you're probably expecting an average around the 85 to 90. So he's only about 60K below what he would peak at averaging that. Um, Not the worst option, but he is only a midfielder. So yeah, I mean, yeah. it's 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 a hard one. You'd have one. to be hard up. You'd have to be really hard up on cash and really need someone. Um, I mean, late in the season, if, if, if you're struggling for cash, you want to take a rookie off the field who's scoring 20s, but and you somehow still have a rookie, and he's all you can afford, and he's similar price, 
100%. But this early in the season, you don't have to hit panic stations like that yet. Yeah, 389 is a really awkward price. Um, look, Ben, it's a great question. Um, and I think he's definitely, put, like, chuck him on the watch list, you know. But I think after, you know, a 112, you know, past performance is not indicative of future performance. Um, and only one score, no scores below 86 is good. But is that really somebody, like, do you want to bring in your M8 now? Not really. You want to be making cash. You want to bring in, you want to bring in your M3 to seven. But yeah, Apple, if you bring him in now, you're basically sentencing yourself to hold him for the rest of the season, which you probably don't want to lock yourself away that this early. And we're probably going to um, contradict ourselves with the answer to the next question. (laughs) But with premiums going down left, right and center, rookies are unable to be moved as quickly. So what should the strategy be for the rest of the season? That comes from Jeff. Now we love Jeff. Thanks, he answered. The, he he asked this in a different way to the way that I'm phrased it, but this is he what he blame meant. Blame us for this, but but th- this is what he meant. And even though all those things we said about Dyson Heppel, the answer to this question is lower your standards. Teams are not going to get to full premium with Lockie Neal at M8 and Dustin Martin at F5 and and Rory Laird at D5. No, the teams are going to be different this year because of the way injuries and trades have worked out. Some people are going to have to stick with the likes of a Tom Highmore. Hopefully he gets recalled soon in your final on-field defense position. Some people are going to be stuck with Tom Powell averaging 75 or whatever it is in your M8 position. Some people are going to be in positions where their team has to remain that way just due to the amount of injuries that have unfolded over these first six rounds. So I think you've got to lower your standards a little bit, not to the point where you bring in Dyson Heppel yet, but to the point where you don't expect 100 averages or 120 averages from everyone that you bring in. Yeah, it's 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 difficult. It's um, you got to really really savor those trades i think and use them at the right times is probably the strategy that you need to be looking at so it once again comes down to team structure um premiums going down you can't help that if they're gone long term you have to move them on that's that's the be all end all but um i look at it from you know as far as the strategy it's like all right that's it you know josh kelly is like my my example where I'm like, you know, I've just got to chew the fat. It's it's already I've, he's lost so much money. I'm doing all right in the rookie front. So when you talk about it on the other side of like underperforming premium, I've just got to keep him there. Tom Powers, James Jordans, I think is another one that falls in that category of someone who's scoring quite well and is very difficult to move on because I don't. There's who else are we going to move him on to? So he's just got to be. Be ready to make the right moves at the right time. And I know that's not helpful. And sort of a similar question, really. Ben asks, what do we do with our dying bench rookies? And I guess he's talking about the likes of Tyler Brockman, who doesn't look like he's going to come back anytime soon. Um, Tom Fullerton, who, if he comes back, will likely only come in if... Uh, Joe Danaher needs a rest or 
the big O needs a rest or something like that. But it's meant that they're not going to gain any more money for quite a while. And then we've also got the likes of Sydney's rookies being rested and who knows what's going to happen with James Rowe this week. And we saw Lockie McNeil get a reprieve on, uh, on, on Friday night. He was the medical sub initially dropped, but thanks to not thanks to uh, that sounds horrible because Lin Jong, when, when Lin Jong is on, he's on, he's on, but his body just won't let him play. Unfortunately, but Lockie McNeil basically took the opportunity with two hands and came out and scored 50 points in three quarters. And I think he's going to, and so these sorts are the sorts of players that you just got to hold on to as best you can. And, and you really got to, there might be a week where you do have to eat a donut because these rookies could drop out for one week and then come back a bit like your premiums. You don't trade your premiums if they're only out for one week. Don't trade your rookies if they're only out for one week, unless unless you're upgrading your, your team, basically. Yeah, and I think if it's if it's really dire straits, there's really as well. There's not a lot going around at the moment. We've got you know the likes of you've what Martin Frederick played one game, one twenty three defender, but. Where's the job security? Lockie Jones isn't out for that long with his injury, and you reckon he probably gets first crack at coming back because he was first. It was it was ahead of him in the line. You know, there's a line of like Port loves playing rookies, but you know Jones was ahead of him in the line. You've got Devin Robinson who probably could gain a little bit from Lockie Neal's um, time off, but you know that is that's a limited time frame of where you have to have him. He's got to score really well to make a decent amount of money. And that's a gamble at 200 plus. You've got Phil Thorpe uh, from Adelaide had a really good game, but he's a key forward. So if he kicks not a lot of goals, he's not going to score very well. And you're basically just back to James Rowe. So it's once again, you kind of do the best you can cop the donuts where you have to. Um, you, you kind of just have to do that because they're coming in and out. You just got to make sure that you have the guys who are kind of close to the top of the queue, I think is probably the best advice. If you have the trades to spare, look at like, you know, look at the guys who are kind of close to it's like, all right, well, if they needed them, he would be the first cab off the rank. Yeah. And Riley Thilthorpe isn't going to play Hawthorne every week and kick five. The same as Jacobs Kaczynski isn't going to play Adelaide every single week and kick five. So, but these rookies are, playing Justin uh, Kaczynski missed one week but he's come straight back in his role is so much better with Mitch Lewis in the side um so he's one who looks like you need to keep for longer now understand why people did trade him out though uh, Lockie McNeil looks like he'll he'll be in for the long haul Anthony Scott's job security will improve with Josh Dunkley out who knows where Alex Waterman fits at Essendon especially after their dominant performance in the forward line against Collingwood. But again, they won't play Collingwood every single week. And then you got the likes of Heath Chapman. Yes, he pumped out a 36 on the weekend, but he didn't have to do much against North Melbourne. So he'll have his hands uh, full with West Coast um, on Sunday afternoon. Um, so he, he'll likely get another bump in price. Um, one thing about him is, though, Joel Hamling and Alex Pierce are due back in about two or three weeks. 
So that could be when you do trade him because he might not be the first cab off the rank if someone goes down. Um, and then you've got the likes of Tom Highmore who appears uh, more likely than unlikely if you believe all the media pundits to play this week. Um, and then you've got the likes of um, Finlay McRae who we hope holds his spot because but Caleb Poulter is... Uh, named to debut this weekend against the Suns as well. So there are rookies on the horizon. There are rookies around if you need to. But it, but I, I do agree it's getting hard to manage your bench this this year. Yeah, it comes back to the previous point where it's, um, once again, it's not the most helpful advice, but it's like making those trades at the right times can sometimes help you way more than you think it will. Um, especially if you have guys who are nowhere on the radar, um, like if you're a, a Will Gould believer um, or, or somebody like that. I think I've, I've seen a team recently from uh, an acquaintance that had uh, Granger Barras in his on his defensive bench. And it's like, well, what do you do with guys like that? And the other out there option is, look, if you're going all or nothing, you can probably try to catch some mid-prices on the way up. Like that's all or nothing panics, panic button. Let's see how, let's see how we do, because at least, you know, they're going to be playing. It's the reason why a lot of people were picking Zeebles, Impies, Danaher's, those kinds of guys at the start of the year, um, because their best 22, they might not score as well, but if they're scoring more than zero, maybe that puts you in a better position overall anyway. We're almost done. Andrew has one final question for us. Does Supercoach have an ejector seat and where can I find the button for it? Sorry, mate. You're here for life. <laughs>